Suppose, um, suppose with me that God sent you a letter. And in that letter, he offered you a gift. A simple evangelistic approach. A simple way to start people on a path, at least, toward God. And an approach that was very, very similar to the approach Jesus took in telling parables. And this gift is also something that, like Jesus' parables, would engage in the interests of the people at the time that the parable is told. Something that would use a language and an experience that people were already interested in. Suppose God sent you a letter and offered you that gift, that tool to use to reach people, at least to start people thinking about or on the path toward God. Would you want to use that gift? To me, I'm convinced that that is exactly the opportunity that God gives us with the world of film or theater or television or books or storytelling, the stories of today that he gives to us. So much more, there's so much more than just entertainment. These, these powerful contemporary cultural stories that can so easily and effectively be used in the same exact way that the parables Jesus told in his day. Because like the parables in Jesus' day that Jesus told, the modern day stories like those in our movies today uh, they involve the contemporary cultural things of the people at that time and at this time, things that those people know and they understand and resonate with. And so like Jesus did with the stories he told, they can effectively be turned into parable stories when the stories and the themes in there can be compared and contrasted with biblical themes, or with the things of God, and invite the listener to consider God in light of what's powerful in the story. And so we as believers uh, see something in a movie that's powerful. Let's say we're moved by something. To be able to say to someone who doesn't yet know God, hey, you know that scene from Men in Black 3? That scene where a man lays down his life for a friend. Remember that? Oh, yeah, it was a powerful scene. You know what? That, that's exactly what Jesus does for his friends. Did you know? Or maybe, you know that scene where a person lays down his life for his friend? That scene plays over and over and over and over again in the kingdom of God. 
In fact, that is the kingdom of heaven, the reign of God when people lay down their lives for their friends. And suddenly, that scene from Men in Black 3 is used in the hands of a believer as a parable, a thing that can teach about God and the things of God. Throughout the series, um, the series on movies, Philippians 4, verse 8, is uh, always close by in my preparation. That's where Paul says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, and then Paul's thesaurus runs dry, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things and Paul can say this because he recognizes what St. Augustine would make even more explicit centuries later. They recognize that all truth and all good things are indeed God's truth and God's good things wherever it's found. There isn't anything good or praiseworthy or excellent and all the rest that didn't originally come from God as the author of everything good. Now, we'll talk more about that over the next few weeks in this series. Um, I think you'll find the movies that we're using listed in your bulletin this morning. Yeah, they are. If you want to watch ahead, I have some people tell me they love to watch ahead, and some people know they'd rather see the, hear the sermon first and then watch. So um, whatever you like, if you don't watch the movies, don't worry, because um, we have those amazing summaries again this year by John Burns and Manda Cook. Yes. And um, we're starting off this morning with a movie a little bit different than the rest, I think, because this movie was made and intended to be a Christian movie. And so um, much of the work of making the story a parable about God or the kingdom is already done uh, by the makers of this movie. Um, Ironically, it might not be um, the best evangelistic tool. Well, it's got a great message, I don't mean that, but simply because it's known as a Christian movie, unfortunately, statistics say that's enough to keep people um, who are um, leery of uh, Christianity and of going to see it in the first place. And maybe this movie's perhaps better used uh, to speak to those who already follow the Bible. But nonetheless, since it's Father's Day, I thought the movie for this morning especially appropriate. The movie's called Courageous. And uh, how many of you have seen it? I'm just curious. Okay, yeah, I would have expected that most of you would have seen it. Um, the, the story's about five fathers. And it's a story that loudly proclaims that fathers matter. Fathers matter in the lives of their families and children. They matter. And before I go too much deeper or summarize even more of the movie, let's, um, let's give that task to uh, Burns and Cook Productions and uh, let's take a look at uh, all we need to know about uh, this movie, Courageous. Let's watch. Here's everything you need to know about Courageous. In five minutes, 30 seconds. 
It's a warm day in sunny Albany, Georgia. A man stops at a gas station to fill his tank, while another man with questionable attire stands in the background. Starting his truck, our hero notices his windshield is dirty. Finding the nearby squeegee bucket dry, he crosses the station in search of a moister squeegee. Just then, the man whose clothing suggests he's up to no good descends upon the vulnerable truck. Abandoning the squeegee, the truck's owner races to his vehicle, arriving just in time to hang on to the side of the now-moving truck, reaching through the window in an attempt to stop the thief. The man is dragged down the street, hanging from the window, but he refuses to give up. After several tense seconds and near misses from oncoming traffic, the truck crashes. The thief escapes when his friend conveniently pulls up in a getaway car. Witnesses race to the scene to help the truck owner, who has been flung from the truck. The dazed but determined man crawls to his vehicle and opens the door, revealing that it was not the Hemi for which he had so ardently fought, but for the child in the extended cab. Later, as the paramedics bandage the man's wounded foot, the policemen arrive to collect details of the ordeal. It is only then that we learn the man's true identity. He's just moved to town to join the Albany police force. And back in the car, the men wonder if they would have shown such determination in a similar situation. So would you have held onto the wheel? Nah. Would you? The next day opens on a man working at a construction site. He's called into the supervisor's office to learn he has been laid off. Dejected, the man goes home to his children and supportive wife. We owe $400 in a week, Javi. All I have is rice and beans to feed the kids. Javier promises to find new work. At a partner's barbecue, Adam, Nathan, David, and Shane get real about dads and faith. You know, I wonder where all the good fathers went to. Ain't that the truth? As he leaves, Shane tells Adam about a hired hand available to help with a shed Adam is planning to build. His name is Javier, but not the Javier you're thinking of. Back at a new construction site, the Javier you were thinking of arrives just moments after the supervisor hired his last worker. Once again, Javier heads home dejected and questioning God. As he cries out to God, Javier hears his name called. And Javier discovers himself suddenly employed. But when Shane reveals the truth about the other Javier... Sorry about my man Javier not showing up. I meant to call you the other night. He was in the hospital. He's got kidney stones. Adam becomes worried and rushes home for a hilarious confrontation. Who told you I was building a shed? You did. Who told you I'd give you 150 a day? You did. What? Well, how did you know to call me Javier? Thought your name was Javier. It is but no one knows who's on first. <laughs> All levity is quickly abandoned when Adam receives word that his young daughter has been killed by a drunk driver while riding home with family friends from a birthday party. Adam is racked with his feelings as a father. <laughs> I should have been a better father. In his journey to become a better father, Adam asks his closest friends for support. I want to sign this as a resolution of what kind of father I want to be to Dylan. And I'm giving you guys permission to keep me accountable. 
but in a surprise move, all his friends choose to commit to the resolution, and they even get all dressed up for the resolution signing with their proud wives and children looking on. In order to live out this resolution, you will need courage. Courage, courage. David and Nathan encounter a hostile situation when they attempt to pull over a car with a busted taillight. The car is driven by none other than our shady background character turned car thief and baby kidnapper from the movie's beginning. Things quickly worsen as the driver, who recognizes Nathan from their previous meeting, pulls out a gun intending to harm Nathan. But one young passenger recognizes Nathan as his schoolmate's father, and he interrupts the nefarious plan just in time. Adam arrives on the scene, and though the suspects attempt to run, they are apprehended just before they take a child hostage. At church, Adam and the men of the resolution are asked to talk about the unsurpassed importance of a father's presence in the lives of their children. The men of the congregation literally rise to the challenge to be courageous. Or are you fathers who fear the Lord? It's time to rise up and answer the call that God has given to you and to say, I will, I will, I will. Mm, sure. Um, you know, as with, um, uh, as with every movie, there are so many different things we could talk about. Um, I thought about talking about the resolution and going through it with you, but um, uh, that's out there and well-published. If you want to take a look at it, it's worth your while uh, to take a look at, uh, just for study purposes, but I hope, too, for, uh, uh, I hope, men, uh, you take a look at it and decide uh, before the Lord and your family if that's something you'd like to, to sign or at least uh, have a version of it that you'd like to commit to, maybe with a group of friends. But... Um, Decided to go a little bit different direction this morning because, um, well, as I was watching the movie, there was um, one thing that uh, I trust it was God laid especially on my heart. Um, one thing in particular that uh, I really liked about uh, this movie. It, um, I thought it uh, addressed very, very well um, our tendency, men in particular, to withdraw and to do nothing when a chaotic situation makes us unsure of what to do, especially men when that chaotic situation includes our more intimate relationships with our wives and our children. We can, um, we can, as many theologians and psychologists in fact have, um, trace this tendency in men back to the Garden of Eden where the first man, Adam, well, he does nothing when faced with the chaotic situation of his wife Eve listening to a snake suggest she eat, they eat from the forbidden fruit. Adam's response 
in the midst of that chaotic situation that he can't look up in the manual on what to do. His response is silence. He's passive. And he goes with the flow um, and eats the fruit too. Theologians, um, many have therefore aptly labeled that tendency in men uh, the silence of Adam. That tendency to freeze up and do nothing and disengage when confronted by chaos, and especially chaos involving our relationships, men. And you can't help but notice the contrast in courageous. These valiant, courageous men, many of them police officers, putting themselves in harm's way as part of their job, even putting their lives on the line. But for some reason, that same boldness, it doesn't translate very well into their homes with their wives and children, into their roles as husbands and fathers. It doesn't translate well into that area of intimate relationships. Interestingly enough, uh, one of the father's names in the movie is Adam, and uh, he struggles with the silence of Adam, especially with his son, also with his wife when he shuts her down, when she urges Adam to take more of an interest in the life of their son. And um, while Adam does a little better with his daughter, he's nevertheless reluctant um, to leave his comfort zone uh, with her, too. He won't, uh, he won't dance with her in the park when she asks her daddy to dance with her. And then the movie, in, um, in a very raw and painful way, it's Adam's daughter's tragic death in a car accident, like you heard, that... Um, it finally gets Adam moving and pushing through his silence of Adam tendency. This, um, the next clip that I want to show you really got, um, really got to me uh, personally. I, um, I saw it for the first time and I thought, you know, that's it. That's, that's the spot that, um, that I end up standing in a lot. I'm wondering if, um, if maybe you men end up standing where Adam ends up standing at the end of this clip too, out, um, out in the hall wondering what to do. I'll set the clip up for you. Um, Adam's daughter has, uh, has just died and Adam is faced with chaos, as um, you might imagine the chaos of his own grief, his own insecurities, uh, the chaos of uh, his wife's grief, and um, the chaos of a son who's wrestling over the loss of his sister. Let's watch.
How'd you get in here? I know how to open the lock, Dylan. Call me or something? Just want to see how you were doing. <laughs> Is anybody doing okay around here? Is there anything you want to talk about? Why do you want to talk? Everyone who comes into this house just keeps saying the same thing over and over. They're just trying to help, son. They're not. Dylan, we're all hurting. What we can't do is block each other out. We need each other. Don't need me. Can I play my game now? Yes. You ever end up there, men? Standing in the hall? While um, your wife is uh, weeping in the bedroom? And um, your son is... struggling. What do you do? You know, I give, um, I give Adam high marks um, for trying. And that every time I watch that scene now, and now it's been about a dozen times, I just um, want to stand up and and shout at him when his son throws that line to him, you don't need me. And it's like, Adam, say And in the awkward chaos of that moment, the silence of Adam comes up. And rather than telling his boy how much he loves him and needs him, what he just, 
And I, I don't know, men, I, I don't know if you're uh, like me in that way or not, if you share that tendency in the silence of Adam. Studies suggest that many men do. If you do like me, um, struggle with that, then uh, you know that awkward feeling of even trying to put two words together, uh, even in a situation that you know um, that you're supposed to help and, and, and you, you want to help, but it just... You feel reluctant, you feel um, impotent, and you're unsure of what to do. And so we go to the fail-safe of the Adam of Adam and, uh, and Eve, and we so often do nothing. But Adam in the movie moves. And he tries. He ends up uh, running with his son because uh, that's what his son likes to do. And um, he went some standing in doing that with his son to talk to him about God. Let's watch. Okay, hold on. Hold on, Grace, for I want to talk to you for a second. Okay. I know every day I live, I realize I need the Lord more. I don't feel like I started well. I want to finish well. What I want for you is that you seek the Lord that you trust him, even if it means you're standing alone. You got me? Yes, sir. Now, before I beat you to the corner. Huh, you're not gonna beat me to the corner. Just let me get a breath. Okay. What is that? What? You can't do that! Mm. You, find it, um, you find it tough, you know, to talk about um, faith and God uh, with your son's men. You, you know, you just don't do that. It's not cool. It uh, feels insufficient. It's uh, awkward. It's a little bit too intimate. Requires too much transparency in admitting your own failures and struggles and on and on. If, um, if your silence of Adam tendency confronts you in those situations, I'd like you to recognize and begin to see it when it happens more. And I know many of you know already when it happens. We know. I want to challenge you um, to even pray and ask God in those circumstances that the next time you notice it happens, um, even though it might be awkward to say something or to move or to do something, um, even if you don't feel like it's polished or you're prepared because it's not in the manual, 
Um, would you do it anyway? Take a stab. Say something. Do something, even if it's only, but I'd really love to listen and hear what you have to say. Would you please share with me? Even that's hard. But would you just engage? Another father um, dares to engage with his daughter who's, um, oh, rebellious might be too strong a word for her, but she's a bit reluctant to, to have her parents um, help her in her dating choices and placing age and other restrictions on her dating. Go figure. But uh, let's watch uh, his attempt with her, shall we? Very good, sir. I'll be back in just a few minutes with your appetizer. Thank you. Wow. Daddy, this place is nice. Isn't it expensive? Well, tonight's a special night. It's worth it to me. Well, what's so special about tonight? Jade, I brought you here because I want to tell you how grateful I am that God gave you to me. I see my daughter becoming a beautiful young woman. And I can understand how any young man would be drawn to you. But I would also like for you to know that as your father, I want the very, very best for you. One day I'll give you away to another man. And I want that man to love God more than anything. Because if he does, then he'll love you. And I know how young men think. They want to win your heart, but they don't know how to treasure it. So I'd like to make an agreement with you. Jade, if you'll trust me with your heart and allow me to approve any young man that desires to have more than a friendship with you, I promise to take care of you and give you my full blessing when God shows us the right one. Okay. I'll go. Thank you. I have something to help us to remember this night. Jay, will you give me your left hand, please? Daddy, is this real? Yes, it is. This is meant to be worn until it's replaced by your wedding ring. Jade, I love you, sweetie. And from this night on, I want to treat you like the young woman that you are. Daddy, thank you so much. I love you, too. That, um, that, scene, um, that scene rung um, special to, to me, too, because uh, Jill and I have done something similar uh, with Danny. Um, after getting the report from the youth trip, apparently we need to be doing things like that. <laughs> any, um, any boy um, who wants to date her 
uh, first needs to sit down and uh, talk to Jill and to me. And uh, so there we sit, Jill and Danny, the boy, and of course me, polishing my firearms. <laughs> and um, we talk about everything, right Danny? Yeah, everything. And uh, it can be awkward uh, at first or in spots, right, Danny? Yeah. But, um, but we do it anyway. And that's one that, um, well, first, uh, first occurred to me, um, honestly, it first occurred to me uh, the day she was born, um, standing in the delivery room. And I heard, uh, it's a girl. And I said, uh, I promised um, that uh, I would do that uh, in particular and uh, try to play a helpful role and a supportive role in uh, the dating lives um, of my kids. And something in a father's heart, especially for my daughter. And I think, um, I think Danny, Danny might admit uh, that after it's all said and done, after those one to two hours. It takes a while. It's, uh, it's pretty awesome. Yeah, you, you can ask her. You know, men, we charge in uh, to burning buildings as um, firemen and firewomen. We um, go after the bad guys and sling bullets as uh, police officers, and we'll march into war. We'll grab, um, grab steering wheels of stolen cars with babies in the back seat. But um, will we open that intimate door in, in us, the one, the, the real one, that um, we'll talk about faith and God uh, with our sons, that we'll talk about sex with our children, that we'll um, get involved, get in the game, in the lives, um, of our children, even though much of it is going to feel like chaos to us most of the time and wants to trigger that silence of Adam. See, and uh, the, men, the men that I know here, uh, many of you, uh, all of you, I, I, know, I, I know your heart, you want to do this. You are good intentioned men. And I just, um, I want to encourage you to act on purposefully that intent and just do it anyway. Take a stab. And when you do it, men, do it, um, do it unto the Lord. I'll say more about that in a minute, but uh, here's how I wanted to end today. I want to invite, um, ladies, I want to talk to you for a minute. And um, I want to invite you to do something, young and old, uh, women and girls, no matter the age. Um, in a minute, um, I want to invite you to stand, ladies, not yet. And please, only do it if you want to. Don't do it only because I'm inviting you to do it. But uh, i tell you something about men um, in the 21st century. Um, 
There's been a backlash in the however needed uh, movement to welcome women as full and equal partners in life and in family. And while I'm all for it, a backlash that comes around is something called male bashing. Um, ask any man. For some reason, um, uh, because I think it's fair to say that men have been um, largely responsible for some of the prejudice and discrimination in uh, history against women. But there's been a backlash, and um, men um, get uh, hit with it. And men, you know, it hurts. And you almost get to the point where you don't feel like you can stand up and you can say, praise God for men. Because to do that in this culture is like, whoa, you know, you're some sort of chauvinist. Or some sort of narrow-minded, um, patriarchal guest. And this movie, Courageous, has taken uh, some hits and some criticism. Uh, the roles it depicts are indeed uh, very uh, traditional and somewhat stereotypical. Not every woman is a stay-at-home mom. Um, the only single mom in the film is sort of depicted as uh, wounded and hurting and waiting off to the side for her father of her child to come riding back in um, and the like. And while men uh, have done a lot to deserve, to earn uh, some criticism, there are far more families with absent fathers, gentlemen, uh, than there are with absent mothers, far more. That uh, critique of Courageous, I think, uh, misses the sincere point of this movie, and that is without taking away anything from the infinite value of women, I think this movie is doing its level best and succeeds greatly in making the point that, you know what? Fathers and men matter, too. And ladies, um, there are men around the room, many of them fathers, some of them not, but uh, they're men. And um, I know they're hairy. And they leave the toilet seat up, and their bodily noises, hmm. But you know what? Um, sincerely, and seriously, I shouldn't even joke, but ladies, uh, young and old, if you, if you appreciate, if you can pause and appreciate uh, just for a minute, if you appreciate at all, these men and boys, because they are men and boys, if you need men and boys in your lives, in the lives of your families, in your own personal life, in the lives of your kids. If you appreciate these men simply for being men and boys, would you stand, ladies, and let them hear your appreciation and even look at them. Let them hear it. Let them hear it. Now, I know, ladies, you, I know because I know you, you appreciate them even more than that. Let them hear it. Thanks. You can be seated. Listen, ladies, from the bottom of my male heart, 
The men in your life need to hear your acclaim. Today more than ever. I don't know of too many things that motivate a man more than despite his warts and all, that despite the fact that he is imperfect, that you treasure and value and acclaim him anyway. And ladies, when you don't do that, and when you jump on what can be the cultural bandwagon of male bashing, all you're doing is leaning on that button in men that raises the barrier of the silence of Adam. You want to break that barrier down? Praise the men and the boys in your life. And men, does that acclaim feel good? Even if it was a bit contrived this morning, they felt sincere. Men, does that feel good? <laughs> yeah. Men, even though that feels good, I want to end here. Um, don't do it for that acclaim. Don't do it for that acclaim. Don't serve your wives and your children and the people in your life ultimately for the acclaim or even don't even do it so much for them. The only motivation that will really grab hold of you with God's help is the one who lives in you, the Holy Spirit himself. Do it for God because that's what he calls us to do, men, for him. Get in there and engage. Break down the silence of Adam. Be courageous. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for being a father who is not silent when it comes to intimacy with us, your children. Help us, Father, to become not only more and more like your son, but more and more like you as father. Someone who's quick to run, and quick to engage, even more so when the situation is chaotic intimacy especially. Oh, Father, give us that great heart of yours, please. Father, thank you. We bless your name for raising us up in the way that we should go as your children. We love you. And I just ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Would you stand, please, uh, for the benediction this morning? Comes to us from the Apostle Paul. And it's uh, where he addresses children, but really addresses all of us as children. And he simply reminds us uh, children, obey your fathers and your mothers in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. amen. See you next week for the help. All right, bless you all.